What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. This is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our YouTube handle is at L.A. Rams Up. Hey, we're not insiders here. We're just Rams fans that love talking about our L.A. Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. Episode 220 here of Rams Up. In a minute here, I'm going to give you a window into my decision-making process, trying to decide which offensive linemen belong on this final 53-man roster. Do they carry eight? Do they carry nine? If they carry eight, I think I know who they are. If they carry nine, some tough decisions to make. Same decisions Sean and Les are going to have to make on Monday. I have to make them by Sunday. That's when I'll share my final 53-man roster, for better or worse. So I'll be sharing the dilemma I have trying to figure out the offensive line. I also continue my opponent focus this episode, checking in on the Pittsburgh Steelers, another team we play this year, and Sometime Friday, probably late in the afternoon, I will be sharing my final look at the Ram-Bronco game, what I hope to see from our squad. That, of course, will be on the YouTube channel. The handle there, at LA Rams Up. Some notes from the final joint practice with the Broncos. Stafford got the best of them on Wednesday. Got sacked three times today, though, including once by that old nemesis, Frank Clark. He also threw a couple of red zone interceptions. He did have his moments, though, through a 75-yard touchdown pass to Van Jefferson and also had a touchdown pass to Kyron Williams. Nice to hear his name mentioned in the Rams' offense. I knew he was going to be a contributor to this offense. It was just a matter of time, and it looks like it's going to happen early this season. Word on the street is the Rams' defense had a particularly good day. Didn't allow a single touchdown to the Broncos' first-team offense. This is another good sign. Maybe this young defense is starting to gain some confidence. Maybe they're actually going to be okay. We can only hope. That's a really good sign for this young defense trying to find their way, gaining some confidence, perhaps. You know, uh, a week or so ago, I shared my 41 roster locks for the 2023 LA Rams, and I've increased it to 45 since then. You can check the recent pods for the details. And on Sunday, I will make my final prediction of the Rams' 53-man roster one day before Les Need and Sean McVay have to do the same. Some tough decisions awaiting those guys And I thought I'd give you a window into my thought process strictly regarding the offensive line where they may have some of the toughest decisions to make. And I still can't figure it out. I'm still trying to decide. And I'll talk you through some of my dilemmas. 
Uh, I think the starting offensive line opening day against Seattle, we're pretty sure it's going to be a Lyric Jackson, Steve Avila on the left side, probably Brian Allen at center, Joseph Noteboom, if we believe everything we've been hearing, at right guard, and Rob Havenstein at right tackle. Now, it's possible Coleman Shelton could win that center job and Allen becomes a backup center, or maybe Coleman Shelton slides over to right guard and he takes that job with Noteboom playing the role of a swing guard and tackle. Tremaine Ankrum, who's been there for most of the preseason, probably going to be relegated to a backup interior offensive lineman. And then uh, and then there's some other guys we got to talk about here. Uh, so there's seven that I've mentioned right there that we think we're pretty sure are on this roster for sure, right? Jackson, Avila, Allen, Noteboom, Havenstein, Shelton, and Ankrum. And the eighth guy I think that's on this roster is the rookie out of Georgia, Warren McClendon, who has played pretty well for a rookie, mostly at right tackle. I think he is probably going to be the backup right tackle to Rob Havenstein at this point with Logan Bruss banged up and not playing well. We'll get to him in a second. But McClendon, I think, has proven himself and has earned a spot on this roster. So there's eight, eight offensive linemen there for you. And will they carry nine? And I think they should. They have in the past. They've also opened the season with eight. Based on what happened last year, they seem to have some fragile guys. Let's go with nine offensive linemen. But who's the ninth? A bit of a dilemma here. Logan Brass, if he's ready, if he's if he's healthy, could theoretically play guard and tackle. But can you rely on him at either of those spots? What's the point of having a backup if you think he's going to play pretty poorly if he's called upon? But if you release him, you waive him a third-round pick, as Tom Quartz put out. Sometimes these decisions are not based just on talent. It's based on their potential of making it to your practice squad. And Logan Bruss probably wouldn't. And then you got guys like Grant Miller and Zach Thomas. Now, the thing about these two guys is they're both undrafted rookies. Well, Thomas is in his second year. Grant Miller, a rookie out of Baylor in his first year, they would probably make it to the practice squad. But I'm telling you, maybe they deserve a roster spot, one of these guys. Brett Stutter pointed this out today, saying Grant Miller maybe deserves a spot. And at first I kind of thought, yeah, you know, I don't see it that way. But then I got to thinking about it, went back and watched some of the uh, Raider Ram game. And Grant Miller and Zach Thomas both played pretty darn well, especially Miller, especially in pass blocking. You know, uh, they opened up the second half with a Curry, Grant Miller, McAllister, Zach Thomas, and McClendon, and they played pretty darn well. They really did. Uh, late in the game, Miller slid, slid over to left tackle, and yes, Miller can play tackle, and he has played center. He played nine games at center for Vanderbilt before transferring to Baylor. And when Miller slid to the left, Sean Magan took over at left guard. And that, unfortunately, is the first play he was in. 
the Raiders ran a stunt, and that was the play that they sacked Bennett. So kind of a bad scene for uh, Sean to come in on, on the first play. They ran a stunt, so we didn't really get a fair... He didn't get a fair shake, I don't think. But Miller did, and Miller and Thomas both played really well, and I think they both have a shot. At this point, I'm leaning towards Grant Miller or Zach Thomas over Logan Bruss, but it could come down to who makes it to the practice squad and who doesn't. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. Now, I'm going to have to make a decision by Sunday. Les Snead and Sean McVay get an extra day, but we'll see if I can get it right. We'll see if they get it right. All depends on the, uh, you know, do the Rams carry nine? And I think they will. I think they should. I hope they do. Based on what happened last year, who that ninth guy is going to be, I don't know. It's going to be a tough call. But the end result is the Rams have a pretty solid group of offensive linemen. And if Steve Avila is as good as we think he is, we could have a stud at left guard and he's going to be surrounded by some pretty good players. We have yet another opponent focus for you. We are taking a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, who the Rams play week 7, October 22nd at SoFi. Rams actually lead this series 15 wins, 10 losses, 2 ties, even though the Steelers have won 4 straight. There was a time when the Rams held a 12-win, 1-loss, 2-tie advantage over the Steelers. They were a pretty horrible franchise until... Chuck Knoll arrived. The last time they played in Pittsburgh, September 10th, 2019, Steelers 17, Rams 12. That was the game Dante Fowler returned a fumble for a TD 14 seconds into the game, and we probably made the mistake of thinking the Rams are going to steamroll these guys, but Minka Fitzpatrick returns a fumble for the Steelers for a touchdown, 43-yard return, I remember this being a really ugly game, one of those games where, again, the Rams looked like the better team, but just kept on shooting themselves in the foot. In addition to that fumble return for a touchdown, Jared Goff also threw two interceptions. Any games that should be mentioned between these two teams? Well, kind of obvious. How about the 1979 Super Bowl held January 20th, 1980 at the Rose Bowl? Steelers 31, Rams 19. That game really hurt because I felt like the Rams almost had that in the bag. Let it get away from them late. The Steelers, by the way, are one of four teams that Sean McVay has not beaten. The other three, the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills. What did the Steelers do last year? Well, Mike Tomlin still managed to eke out with a winning record. Nine wins, eight losses, third place in the AFC North. That's a tough division. They beat the Bengals in overtime on opening day, and then they lost four straight, including a 38-3 drubbing by the Bills in Buffalo. After that losing streak, they beat the Bucks, and then they lost two more, went into their bye two and six, but came back strong made a run of it, closed out the season with seven wins and two losses. 
including winning the last four but missed out on the playoffs. Statistically, bottom half offensively, running the ball and passing the ball, 13th defensively and very strong against the run, ninth in the league defending the run. Player stats of note, well, first of all, Free safety Minka Fitzpatrick, one of the best in the league. Defensive lineman Cameron Hayward and outside linebacker T.J. Watt, all pro bowlers, and Fitzpatrick, all pro first team. They started the year out hoping to roll with Mitch Trubisky, but they turned to rookie Kenny Pickett probably earlier than they wanted to. He definitely has the it factor. Played in 13 games, threw for 2,400 yards, but 9 TDs against 11 interceptions, but still... You have to have a good feeling about him. I've talked to a couple of Steeler fans, and they look more at how he carries himself and how he steps up in big moments than necessarily how his stats looked his first year out. They are very optimistic about Kenny Pickett's future. Solid, if not spectacular, running back with Najee Harris, who surpassed 1,100 yards last year. They had a pretty balanced receiving core, Deontay Johnson and rookie George Pickens, just over 800 yards, tight end Pat Freermuth, just short of 800 yards, Miles Jack led them in tackles, T.J. Watt missed seven games, so it was linebacker Alex Highsmith that led them in sacks with 14 and a half. Seems like the Steelers are one of those teams that always gets after the quarterback really well. Coaching staff, Mike Tomlin, You could make the argument he's the best coach in the league. Probably not going to win that argument, but you're not going to get ridiculed for throwing his name into the hat. He's entering his 17th season with the Steelers. How did the draft go? Well, they addressed the offensive line early with Broderick Jones. He'll take over at tackle. He was selected in round one. Highly rated cornerback Joey Porter Jr. was taken in the second round. He's a legacy pick for the Steelers. His dad played for Pittsburgh. I really liked a defensive lineman, Kiana Benton, out of Wisconsin. And they also selected the big tight end, Darnell Washington. Nick Herbig, the linebacker. They picked another cornerback in the seventh round that I liked, Corey Trice Jr. They lost cornerback Cameron Sutton in free agency to the Lions, but they signed cornerback Patrick Peterson who I would not be thrilled with as a starter at this point in his career, but returning starter Levi Wallace could play opposite of Peterson, or they could give that outside job to Joey Porter Jr. with Peterson moving to the slot, possibly. They brought in two guards in free agency, Isaac Siamalu from the Eagles and Nate Herbig from the Jets. Pro Football Focus weighs in on the Steelers' offensive line, calling them the 12th best. They went the entire 2022 season with the same five offensive linemen. They've changed out two of them, bringing in Broderick Jones in the draft and Siamalu through free agency. Who are their key players moving forward? Well, in offense, it's going to be all about Kenny Pickett. They don't have a lot of playmakers, in my opinion. Deontay Johnson, Allen Robinson, and George Pickens are the wide receivers. Fearmouth is a solid tight end, but nothing really excites me about this offense. But, as I said, Steeler fans are pretty excited about Kenny Pickett. Defense is just loaded with studs. Cameron Hayward on the defensive line. T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick. Patrick Peterson, for the time being, he's a big name. Certainly not performing at the level that made him a household name in Arizona, for example. 
RAM SoCal connections. Well, the only RAM connection I could find is Allen Robinson, the wide receiver that the Rams traded away. Very interestingly, they have five players in camp from San Diego State. Don't know if I've ever seen that before. No one from UCLA, no one from USC, five from San Diego State. And I think San Diego State might be the most represented university in their training camp. Who would have thought? On paper, the Steelers have the eighth easiest schedule, but they do open against the 49ers at home. Hopefully they can pull off a win there. That makes the Steelers my second favorite team on opening day. Every team in this division went 3-3 three and three within the division last year. The team that can go 4-2 and two in this division is probably going to have a playoff spot because outside of the division, not overly challenging. The Steelers get the likes of the Colts, Patriots, Cardinals, the Packers, pretty much an unknown entity at this point. And early on, there are some opportunity for wins for sure. After that 49er game, they get the Browns on Monday Night Football and then they travel to Las Vegas and then Houston. So likely at least two and two after four games, possibly three and one. If they can beat the 49ers at home, they could realistically get to four and zero before they play the Ravens in week five. What are their four keys to the season? Well, number one, talk about quarterbacks with a lot of these teams. These teams with young quarterbacks and Kenny Pickett is a young quarterback. He needs to improve. He was okay last year. He needs to be better. They need solid quarterback play. Don't turn the ball over. Manage the game if that's what it takes because this is a pretty good defense. Key number two, I already touched on the schedule. Like a lot of other teams, they need to win the games they're supposed to win. I already mentioned those games against the Raiders and Texans and the Cardinals. Put those games in the bag because this division is really tough. Outside of their division, not a lot of daunting games. Win the games you're supposed to win. Get to 3-3 three and three or better in the division. And the Steelers could very well be in the playoffs. Key number three to their season. You know, I love their defense. I really do. But I'm worried about their cornerback play. If Patrick Peterson is really expected to hold down that number two cornerback spot, well, I don't know. I'd be a little concerned. A couple young cornerbacks waiting in the wings. And, hey, Joey Porter Jr. could be the real deal. Could be an excellent cornerback. But right now, I'm a Steeler fan. I'm a little concerned about that position. And key number four, these wide receivers, not thrilled with that group either. Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of promise, I suppose. Allen Robinson, the third option. Pat Freemuth. They're all good, right? But none of them really excite me. Are these the type of guys that are just going to light it up and make electric plays? Hey, I guess they could. Kenny Pickett could really develop a relationship with some of these guys, and they could go off. But I think this team's going to have to rely on their defense and maybe the running game. These receivers are going to have to help out their quarterback and play really well, or it could be a long season for this offense. Their over-under win total on this team is 8.5, and and this is the way I look at it. 8.5 is 500 football. 8 to 9 is under 500. Are you going to bet that a Mike Tomlin coach team is going to finish under 500, which would be 8 and 9 or worse? I'm not taking that bet. I'm taking the over. And that might be a real solid bet with this team. 
Regardless of how much I like Pickett, you have to be a little concerned in the back of your mind how consistent he's going to be. He seems like one of those quarterbacks that might be able to pull out magical wins at the end here and there, but maybe not ready to play consistent, reliable football for 17 games, at least not just yet. And I'm not excited about Patrick Peterson as one of my cornerbacks, but I still think the schedule is in their favor They have one of the best coaches in the league. This defense just needs to continue playing top-flight football, and I think they will because the offense might be pretty average. I'm taking the over on this team, and that's a bet that I might make. I think they get to 10 wins. 10 and 7 would be my guess and be competing for a playoff spot down the stretch. Just enough good players on defense. Excellent coaching and a less-than-daunting schedule gets the Steelers to 10 wins. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel, is at laramsup.com. Until next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe, Buckeye Bonsai by Vans in Japan, and Crimson Fly by Hamahama. your legacy. Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plastic free 305.